hello. This is MiceCast. Uh, welcome to a show. We haven't done one in a while. We've got Mike Bright with us. Hey. I'm Greg McNaughton. And the man who needs little introduction, who goes by one name like Madonna, Rihanna, and Cher, we've got Shaft. Good evening. What's happening? Same old, same old. Yeah, well, it, it has been a little while. Yeah, and, you know, I, what I want to get into is talking about um, some of the things that have really disturbed me as far as what has been um, what has been going on with the park. And some, uh -oh. of the, some of the things that have really caught me and just, I think, destroyed what the original vision of Walt is um, was things like, you know, the Haunted Shack was removed in 2000. And it had been there since 1954. And the corkscrew, which just laid the foundation hey, for... Hey, uh, I'm wondering, are you uh, are you on the same page the rest of us are? Yeah, this is a Knott's Berry Farm show, right? <laughs> yeah. No, Mice Cast is coming so. back, and we're going, we're going to cover Knott's Berry Farm, right? Well, then we have to change the name of the program. Oh, <laughs> Snoopy oh, Cast? Or? We have... <laughs> hey, honestly, we have done Knott's Berry Farm shows before, and yes. yeah, that 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 has a subject there ever since uh, they were bought out and taken over. But uh, let's that... talk about Disney tonight, since we're coming back. <laughs> nice job, Greg. You caught me completely off guard. Did I really? That's yeah, nice. I, that, that's, that's funny. I'm I'm trying to think. What the heck is he talking about? Haunted Shack? What? <laughs> Where? Was he disappointed? I'm thinking. Wait a second. Well, you know, hey, uh, wasn't all that bad. What? <laughs> yeah, I well, say, there's been some. Of the haunted shack. I, I was at Calico just a couple of days ago. That still is out at Calico uh, uh, Regional Park, out in the middle of uh, just outside of Barstow, California. Yeah, they still do run uh, that one. I, I. Who knows why? You know, not did what they did. I mean, there's. There's been a lot of uh, that kind of stuff at Disney. For that matter. But let's talk about the two and a, two and a half some odd years since we've been gone. Well, it's not two and a half. By the time this show releases, it'll be actually just a hair under two since we ceased regular production and we did a special edition, uh, the Trader Sam's last December. I mean, 2011 December. True. But, you know, there's been a few podcasts like The Hub trying to fill the gap. And they've done okay. Yeah, I mean we've we've made, a, we've we've made a couple appearances. We've slummed. We've slummed there. We've slummed there quite a bit. Uh, I've also done the Adventurer podcast quite a bit, which is a um, it's a fun podcast actually. It's it's pretty darn cool. Who who are you doing that with? You know the guy's gonna kill me because I can't remember his name. But you should check the podcast out. <laughs> okay. Oh, that's, that's cool. Well, it's, know, nobody, it, it's, no, it's nobody you guys know in the Disney world. They enjoy Disney, but it's not a Disney podcast. Okay. okay. Um, let me see. They actually send me to uh, the Mice cast. Uh, Guy Hutchinson. I'm sorry, Guy. I'm trying to promote your show, and then I couldn't remember your name. Uh, but it's, it's, a, it's a good show. Okay. So. Oh, crocky. Jeez, <laughs> that's for John. You know, the last two years it just hasn't changed for me. It seems like I'm still there every day. Well, you know, by the way, I was going. We were supposed to record what two nights ago, 
yes. before the end of the year. I actually had my Rebel uh, Rabble Rouser t-shirt on, the one you're not manly enough to wear. But I had mine. I was ready to go trying to get in the, uh, the whole, you know, spirit of the thing. But you... Um, yeah, something you, came up. You couldn't do it. Yeah. Yeah. I, nice. what, what was so, any? Was that something? Anything we should be concerned about? Negative. No. Okay. No. Um. So, doing the adventure podcast, you and I have showed up on the hub a couple times. Uh, yeah, you might call any... us the semi-regulars on that show. Well, though I've been well, offered a lot of scheduling issues and. That show's hard to get everybody on. And, you know, the, the time difference hurts, too. So. Well, it doesn't hurt for us. It hurts for them. Really. Yes, well. <laughs> so anything else going on? So uh, Shaft is uh, still slogging it out on the front lines, right? Yeah, yeah. Still still there. Still working. I, I guess that, that, that is a plus there. Still working. So. Yeah, and, and I'm still not working. And uh, see, in April, I will have been without my annual pass for almost, well, for a year. So I've been in the park once since not renewing my pass. You know, well, that, they, that they, explains you getting mixed up between uh, Knott's Berry Farm and Disneyland. <laughs> as you're just totally lost there, aren't I you? I haven't been there either. Or um, yeah, I haven't been there either. I've I've had some work, some freelance, you know, consulting work, and then after the horrible election, that kind of um, dried up. We're hoping that maybe after the first of the year, well, here it is, first of the year. We'll see if anything picks up. Because that would be uh, nice. I could use that. Uh, but we'll we'll see where that goes. Okay. You're just gonna drop those little sound bites on us, huh? Yeah. Okay. Well, I have, can, can I have you to learn to control my reaction. Can, they... Yeah. Can you identify this? That sounds like uh, uh, some sort of machine gun. That is the preferred weapon of the enemy. Oh really? <laughs> is that the AK-47 assault rifle? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, <laughs> Don't you know the rest of it? You're good at the movie uh, quotes. You're supposed to have Russian this. or Chinese. Uh, Russian. That's probably Russian. Um, so yeah, <laughs> I, my the uh, you know we had the we had a little uh, fire, and um, yeah, that sucked. So we're the last room to be completed <laughs> is the office. So I'm still sitting at a folding table. My office chair has been cleaned, so I can use that instead of a folding chair. But hopefully by the time we uh, crack microphones again, I'll, I'll be set up and actually ready to, to do something besides, you know, just talking to the microphone, actually do some production work. Right. Yeah, so I've been um, – I'm, I'm in school again. And I'm enjoying that. That's that's going really good. And I started bowling again. Don't don't have much money, but my brother talked me into it. So that's right. Bowling a big uh, 206 average right now. So I'm having fun there. But I haven't really done anything Disney related, other than you know the little bit of podcasting. I haven't haven't been really even watching much of you know what's going on with Disney because frankly, um, don't give a damn. Really. Well, not really. You have to give someone of a damn, otherwise Frankly, we wouldn't be, we wouldn't yeah, be here right now, right? Well, yeah. I mean, I'm still interested, but I, I can't go in. I understand, you know, one of the reasons I didn't renew my pass, other than not working and unemployment, just didn't seem like, you know, the right place to 
throw my unemployment money. But they'd raise it, what, 30%? And I understand this year it, it also rose uh, another hefty amount. Is that accurate to it's say? It's $650 for a, for a premium. Wow. Um, I remember when I paid, I think I paid that once at Disney World when I, you know, times were good. And I thought, damn, it's expensive out here. And they don't get all the perks that we get with our pass. The, the premiere is 850 That's no, the, the one that gets you all by six. Coastal. Uh, yeah. Uh, I'm going to look up the AP prices because I don't know what the. Because um... I think it was going up to around 600 when I dropped out. And if you say it's 650 that's, you know, that's still. I'm... Oh, you know what? We forgot. We got to play something because of the way our, our podcast goes, you know, with language. Due to some violent content, parental discretion is advised. Okay. Oh yeah, that should that should appear at the top of the show. Yeah, we should. Have yeah, six fifty for the for the premium. <laughs> go without saying. Yeah. <laughs> Though you know those who've been around before will know; those who are new will not. The deluxe is four sixty nine. Man. The Southern California. Oh, well, how many blockouts on on that uh, deluxe now? Uh, let's see, same? fifty. It's three hundred and fifteen days. Okay, it's all the days so I want to go. Fifty blockout days. No. Southern California annual passport with. Uh, 215 days available. So what's that? 150 days blocked out is 329. And the cheapest. Remember the there used to be the hundred dollar AP. Yeah, yeah. Is now 269. Ooh. Yeah, remember the oh, AP tickets. But this is yeah, this is a, the 99 dollar AP is now 270. Wow. That's a lot of stinking money. Yeah, you're kidding. Hey. You know, since we are back, I did have one idea for a new intro and just, uh, you know, put mice cast in where appropriate. Ten years ago, a crack commando unit was sent to prison by a military court for a crime they didn't commit. These men promptly escaped from maximum security stockade to the Los Angeles underground. Today, still wanted by the government, they survive as soldiers of fortune. If you have a problem, if no one else can help, and if you can find them, maybe you can hire the A-team. The M-team. <laughs> oh, boy. So, uh, so, Greg, I think you've had a little bit of time there to be able to get all these sound bites that you've been putting together. Oh, here. he's been monkeying with his mixer. <laughs> it's all I spent a couple hours going through a whole bunch of uh, loops I had yesterday trying to find um, find something. So, Mike, you kind of have the... Um, Yes. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to pick the correct words here. We just discussed what our, um, how we are going to return and in what yes. fashion form. So, yes. with a little fanfare. You're, you're starting to overdo it. Okay. <laughs> I was gonna say that's not little. You're supposed, little to, you're supposed to go right in. Right into what? Right into what where, we talked about. Yeah. Okay. So, so Micecast is uh, is coming back, and we rather than burn ourselves out and try to stay on the the rat race or treadmill that we had last time of producing a show weekly, we're going to shoot for. Every other week. Try to also keep known as a Fortnite. Fortnite. <laughs> crave it. He puts a secret ingredient. <laughs> makes you crave it fortnightly. <laughs> well. Sorry. Okay. So, um, so, yeah, we're going to 
try to keep it fresh. We're going to try to uh, stay on top of things to talk about, have things to talk about. Uh, we, that we figured that that's what helped contribute to us kind of burning out was we're running out of things to say. We felt like we had to put out a show. So now we're going to be a little bit more casual about it. Um, still be regular. And this it's, is, it's, it's good to be regular and not irregular. Oh goodness. <laughs> and Otherwise, I you know, you don't, you know it's too, I don't give a crap about it. So there you go. We're, this is not MiceCast 2.0. We are just picking up where we left off. <laughs> now, why and, would uh, you say that? What's that? Why would you say this is not 2.0? Because we had bandied that about at some point. As oh, a, I, I thought it was just between us, but that's okay. That's uh, because we're just we're just uh, the same. You know, no research. Oh yeah, of course as, not. You know, you know. I started looking some stuff up. You, you, we were talking about, oh, we should have something to talk about tonight. So I started looking stuff up, and even my wife looked at me and said, "Why should tonight be any different than any other show?" I was going to say you so, broke our cardinal rule. I well, know. You so I, 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 you know, I put stuff away. No, so that's okay. Had complaints about yeah. you know being too rambling, kind of for re-energize and coming back. We should, you know, have something. Some sort of topic, too. Well, I actually have have a few that I'd like to discuss because we really did miss a couple big events, right? Marvel happened when we were off the air, correct? Right. Uh, Lucasfilm. Well, no. Lucasfilm is real recent, but... Uh, Marvel. Good thing, bad thing. Just quick, yes, no. We can go into more detail at another time. What do you think? How, How has Marvel sat with the company since they bought... Well, you know, I, geez, I don't know. I, I I haven't noticed anything different in the way the the films are produced. I haven't noticed any because well, right uh, now they're still coming out under Paramount. Though I think the next big one does come out as Walt Disney Pictures. I believe so. Well, Iron, Iron Man three, Iron right? Man 3. Yeah, Iron yeah. Man three. Um, but there's been there's been no Marvel in the parks that I've seen. Uh, um, well, they had the Avenger Rail. In Florida. Well, that's true. That's true. Um, would and you, we've had certain little elements. I mean, we have merchandise that sells it. Would you, would you like to see Marvel in the parks? Eh, if it's done right, sure. Okay. Yeah, I, what does I that, agree. What does that mean, right? <laughs> yeah, well, I yeah. But, but I was going to say one thing. I think it's it's been a, a nice fit so far. And one thing that's been kind of uh, funny, ironic, whatever you want to say about it, is Marvel had their... Uh, contract with Universal all this time that I think is still holding because they're still using a lot of the Marvel characters there. So they've Universal's been u- paying us to use the uh, licensing on it now. So, hey, hey Greg, you said you said <laughs> Disney bought Marvel, but while we're off the air, no, that's wrong. Disney bought Marvel in two thousand nine. And when did we go off? Two thousand ten. Oh, okay. No, Eleven. Eleven. Wow, has March, March it been that long? 2009, okay, so I've lost track. Uh, that's why I was kind of asking. There was a little bit of question in my tone, I guess. Yeah, 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 know. no, that's what made me jump in and make sure. Okay, uh, good. You're always the one that goes and find that, that, finds that research, so that's a good thing to know. Well, I know what I wanted to talk. We'll get to, to Lucasfilm, because I think that was probably one of the biggest things. John Carter came out when we were off the air, right? Yes. Okay, and I finally saw John Carter a few nights ago. Uh, it was on cable, satellite, Ours, whatever. Yeah, Cinemax, something, yeah. Yeah, and um, I got to say, 
I'm not sure where Disney screwed up because the film was awesome. No, I liked it a lot. I, I I'm bought I, the film. What can I say? I you know was it simply the name John John Carter and they were were they hoping for a lot of word of mouth and they didn't really put because I really didn't see it advertised a lot other than John Carter. You know, they might have done the John Connor of Mars. I, I'm, I, this wasn't a sleeper hit, and it seemed like they promoted it like one that would be a sleeper hit. It's so big. It's got such a, you know, connection to a science fiction um, pioneer that they just thought it would roll on its own. And maybe, at least that's, that's kind of the way I'm seeing it. And, and it just didn't make that much money. I have Actually, I haven't checked at the t- when it first came out, I think uh, we talked about it a little bit on the hub, and um, I think know, there's two things that happened to it. Go ahead, Mike. I was gonna say they didn't market it at all. That's that's definitely one of them. I, I think the marketing was pretty bad on it. That I think you're right, Greg. I think they were trying to let it go for word of mouth, and they just didn't have enough oomph of it in there to get that ball rolling. Yeah, I mean, the Christian Science Monitor, not always the most, you know, place I'd go to, but it was, you know, according to them, it's set to lose $200 million among the biggest Hollywood flops ever. And, you know, that's a pretty bold statement. But now that it's been, what, a year, and maybe they are, though I don't think Box Office Mojo will account for DVD sales, you know, again, pretty pretty bad showing for a film that was actually not too bad i think the second thing that was uh and i don't think there was anything that could have been account maybe i'm wrong in this but i think the second thing that happened on it was they were pretty true to the story and they used a lot of the uh descriptions that edgar rice burroughs used with the those little cycles that flew and and their ships that flew traveling on light and everything that was stuff that was written into the books which was kind of a 19th century early 20th century view of how things might work fly by and i think the audience has kind of gotten into the millennium falcons and the enterprise type thoughts it could be i just jumped over to box office mojo it had a domestic gross of only 73 million wow did it cost like 200 but it had a two hundred nine million dollar foreign gross. That's still that's not so bad. So but, worldwide two eighty two. It had a budget of two hundred fifty. Oh, and yeah, now no. uh, most studios, oh. at least from you know having met a few people in the industry, and we talk about this sometimes, for whatever reason they don't always look at foreign. If it's a domestic fail- failure, it doesn't matter if it's a worldwide success. If it's a domestic failure. They look at it as a failure, right? Which I don't think is necessarily fair. For example, the the latest, and this wasn't a Disney film, the latest um, Three Musketeers was very big overseas and basically flopped here. I wanted to see that. Did anybody see Who, that? Yes, Who was in I it? Um, I was just gonna look it up on Box Office Mojo and see if it uh, see 2011. Okay. Again, it had a $75 million budget and made domestically $20 million, but it made 111 overseas. So, you know, if you combine those, it made money. But, again, you have to, you know, according to most um, 
uh, accounting that I've known, other than animation, animation sometimes includes this, but most films don't, is the marketing part. So you double your your budget. So in this case, that'd be $150 million. And they only took a worldwide gross of 132. But if you compare 20 million domestically to 111 foreign, that's quite a, a swing. And you want to know who was in it? Um, Nobody. Logan Lemur or Lerman, Christopher Waltz. Orlando Bloom is the only name I recognize. Yeah. And Mila oh, Jovovich is the yes, only, those only two names I recognize. I, th- I thought it was fun. I enjoyed it. Was it great? It's nothing like the classic, really over the top. You know effects and what they can do, um, but I enjoyed it. You know, I, I don't expect everything to be a grand slam. So I mean, I I thought it was a, a fun movie. Two other things that might have happened with John Carter, and this might have also explained with uh, the Three Musketeers, is uh, the economy. Uh, that John Carter came kind of came out right as we were really settling into what do you want to call it—the recession, the depression, or whatever. Do you think there was a no. box office downfall during that period that just no, hurt no, that? No, no, no. I don't think so. Because it kind of stands by itself. And it was just, it, it was just, it, it, I'm sorry, Mike. It came out um, March of this March, year. March. The spring release. Yeah. So if you were to compare what else came out at the same time. Um, see, and I'm, was I'm, it that recent? Wow. Yeah, I'm That's cruising picture it like it's a year old. To see what was uh, around there. And I want I didn't want of the dead. What is that? <laughs> Hunger. Well, you know, Hunger Games was out uh, like the next week. We know that was a huge. Wait, that was on the Friday the twenty third. It was Friday was the ninth. Two 9th, weeks later. Two weeks later, and it's a huge success. So well, no, I I I don't think that has anything to do. Uh, do with it. Well, there was another thing that happened this last year on the uh, as far as films. GI Joe Two was supposed to be out this uh, early summer, and they decided to hold it back because there were what who who does that Paramount? Uh, they were saying that they felt there were too too much competition out there that it would really dilute their market, so they held it back for a year. Yeah, I never really actually heard what held that back and I was I thought I'd missed it I'm like god did it go that quick and um, then I saw the the poster in the theater we went to what did we see since we didn't have an annual pass which is our usually our our Christmas Eve thing we went (laughs) and saw um, the Hobbit and excellent what really surprises me is he's going to do The Hobbit in three films. One yeah, book. Yeah, isn't, that, isn't that ridiculous? One book in three films, yet he did the one other... One film yeah. per book Though he, for the original trilogy there. He, he so. mixed them around, you know, mixed them up a little bit to, uh, you know, work the story, but hey, you know what? It was good. It did, doesn't really slow down. Um, what can you say? Peter, Peter Jackson's... Um, He's got my vote. I mean, he's, he did an excellent job, but I was surprised that it was uh, going to be done in three films. But hey, it gives me something to look forward to, you know. Yeah, my big concern was we were talking about it. Uh, you know, between the three book, the first three books, you got a thousand some pages worth of 
book that you only had to make 400 pages of script. Now you got 300 pages of book that you have to make 400 pages of script. Uh, the Hobbit was first. Right, yeah, but it's Hobbit, a single book. No, no, I know, but he said the first three books, and I, I you're I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Yes, movies. I did misspoke. The, the Hobbit was written first, and then Lord of the Rings trilogy came next. And then when did Maybe. the 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 uh, the book that gives you all the backstories to the 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 world that this is written in come out? The Companion, or what do they call it? I have no idea. But yeah, well, you know what? Um, have you ever seen any of the extended versions of the first three films? No. <laughs> he he shoots so much. You know you know what's kind of funny what? is that when I first started reading the Lord of the Rings trilogy, I read The Fellowship of the Ring. I just forced myself to finish it. Started the two towers. And I just couldn't handle it anymore, so I stopped. I actually never finished reading Return of the King. I just couldn't couldn't do it. So when the movies came out, saw the first one and go, this is just as friggin' boring <laughs> as the book. Oh, so you don't like the films? I, I think they're technical marvels. I think they look great. I think they do a good job of taking a long-winded <laughs> story and and you know putting it in two hours. But oh my gosh, I. It's, I was like, this is too, I can't handle it. So I, I never saw Two Towers or Return of the King. Never. Oh, wow. Well, no, I, no. I, I'll tell you this. For those who always complain that so much just changed in films versus books and they leave things out or they combine characters to move things along. Um, now, it's been a long time since I've read The Hobbit or listened to it on CD. I couldn't tell you if it's changed. <laughs> but it doesn't seem like they're leaving anything out. But I could be wrong, and you know, I'm sure we'll get some well, some emails that, that, on that. But that goes to my original comment. You got 300 pages of story, and you got to write 400 pages of script for it if you're going to do th uh, three movies with it. Well, I don't think Peter has any problem with with doing that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, back to back to John Carter for a second. I got to say, one of the things that first turned me off when that film came out was. More uh, online stuff by bloggers and uh, Star Wars fanboys, because or not Star Wars fanboys, but Edgar Rice Burroughs fanboys, who were so uh, had so much audacity in their their comments to say there would be no Star Wars or Star Trek without the Edgar Rice Burroughs stories. Like he is the the father of sci-fi, and I'm thinking uh, Jules Verne. I I look at Jules Verne too. I yeah. fifty years earlier. Well, now, Jules Verne predates Rice Burroughs oh, by right. like forty fifty years, right? Right now, Rice Burroughs, you might say, gave a little more. Um, I don't want to say realistic. Maybe um, a different view, you know, where Jules Verne kind of, you know, it was it was here, right? Well, I mean, I've only read or seen some of the you know like 20,000 some of those I haven't got into all of his work but um, I think this one was a little more fantasy like I guess you could say as far as what modern sci-fi um, you know star travel type things might be I don't know but I, I thought they kind of left out some of the really early you know an early sci-fi writer of Jules Verne well you know I always look at Jules Verne as being the father grandfather of modern science fiction 
but if you want to really talk about a sci-fi person who also predates uh, Burroughs, uh, that would be H.G. Wells. Well, true. H.G. Wells started that stuff up, and that was one of the things that helped lead uh, Edgar Rice Burroughs, I understand, now, to write some of the stories he wrote. Isn't he roughly a contemporary of... Um, I'm going to find out right yeah, now. You, you yeah, they were, they were contemporaries no, no, to one no, no, another, no. I believe. Not of Rice Burroughs, but of Jules Verne. H.G. Wells, uh, let's see, when did he first... H.G. Wells was born in 1866 and died in 1946. Oh. And so his books, Wells, writer, nonfiction, early novel, scientific romances, Time Machine on Dr. Moreau. Uh, uh, come on, where are the dates? Outline of history, shape of things to come, utopian novels are in the 30s. Well, Edgar okay. Rice Burroughs. Big, big one, War of the Worlds, the... I think, was 1899. That was his first big hit. Okay. I think. I, I, I'm looking for uh, the Time Machine. War of the Worlds doesn't have... Okay, i got to click that link to read 1898. Very good, Richard. 1898. And we're going to say Jules Verne, we know, was in 1840s. So we know he... Re, he um, and the Sedgwick Rice Worlds book is like 1910, 1911, right? Who? Edgar Rice Burroughs? Yeah, the Edgar Rice Burroughs. Yes, Edgar Rice Burroughs is there, yeah. Okay. Well, you know, speaking of sci-fi, Mike, and you know one of my favorite sci-fi films uh, happens to be Starship Troopers because it's a, <laughs> it's a great B film. I, I I found the book, you know, the a used copy of that book somewhere. I've read that book so many times, it's not even funny. And it's a thin little, it, it's a dime store novel. It's it's very similar to the size of the James Bond books, um, maybe a little bigger. I, um, I, <laughs> other than a couple names in the in the title of the book, so far there is so much not in common with that book. Well, compared okay, to the so, movie, I, I'm I'm yeah. reading it, going, uh, this is actually pretty cool. Why did they do the movie that way? But then there's some part of the movie that I thought, well, that's kind of cool. So, anyways, it's it's. I thought I'd let you know that because you told me you loved the book. You'd read it multiple times. Yes. I, I, I'd seen the movie when it first came out. I was completely unhappy with it. But, you know, they didn't have the, the filmmaking technology to show people running around in powered armor. So, yeah. and, and for me, having never read the book and looking at it as, a, you know, a really kind of a B yeah. movie, I, I, I enjoyed it. All right. Moving on. Um, to the since we're kind of in a sci-fi mode, the purchase of Lucasfilm by the Disney company, I think that kind of caught everybody by surprise. By surprise, totally out of left field. Uh, so far left field that uh, you buzzed me at work about it, and I'm going, "What the heck are you talking?" No, that would never happen. And yeah, sure enough, it pops up on the uh, company website. Literally about five ten minutes when I. When you first called me, I went to check the computers. Nothing was on the computers. About five minutes later, suddenly it pops up that, yeah, Disney bought out Lucasfilm. So that's, yeah, it really came from left field. The Emperor has been expecting you. The Emperor <laughs> has been expecting Whoops, you. to do that twice. And I actually think, I know there, there's been a lot of, and again, I, I, had, I had to stop reading blogs and comments on YouTube about this purchase and, Personally, I think this is one of the best marriages of any company Disney's ever bought. I would agree. And I think they got the most for their money, too. 
for the same price they paid for Marvel, look what they got. Yeah, and, and early on, I didn't know if they were getting ILM. I understand they are. Got everything. Uh, well, ILM, Skywalker Sound. Yeah. I think probably the only thing they didn't get was his pro his real estate. Right. But, but I understand they do have the part of the ranch that ILM and the actual company parts are on there, but the rest of the ranch, the, the campus, so to speak, that ILM is located on, but the well, rest ILM's, of his property. ILM's yeah. at the Presidio. Don't they so still have... Uh, Skywalker Sound is out there at the ranch, you know, out there in Marin County, but ILM is at the Presidio. So basically his residence, the, the stuff yeah. you see in the fanboy movie where, you know, like almost like a little museum, that kind of stuff. Uh, none of that. But again, uh, I think this is really going to be good. Since, since they've had this long marriage anyways with some attractions. Now, before I go too far, there are some things that are unclear, but I understand we'll get some percentage of because Paramount has some stake, I think, in the Indiana Jones films, at least distribution rights and probably some kind of profit sharing on those. Sure. Um, yet Disney has had a fairly good relationship with Paramount. I think that started with Eisner and it's continued on uh, to this day. There, you know, IMDb is already listing another Indiana Jones film as in pre-production. I don't know how accurate that is, but it would be exciting to, to see another one. I, I think this is just, it's really good. And for all those people who say, you know, you've got those love-hates with um, Lucas, right? I, I saw this. I watched some kind of film on Netflix that was kind of a love-hate documentary on Lucas. Because no matter what he does, they're mad at him. You know, how many times are you going to keep fixing Star Wars? Leave it alone. Well, or... that, goes, that goes with just almost anything. I mean, let's go back to all the love-hates they have with anything Disney does. I mean, that's just anything that gets so much under where people... Well, okay, let's, let's focus on the individual. Do you know anybody in the Disney sphere that would ever say anything negative about Walt Disney? Not people who work. Not people who worked with him, but people who like his movies. Now, granted, he didn't have the opportunity to, let's say, um, change Mary Poppins or you know, do something. You know, not that he would, but put it on that thing. People, it's it's not the company. They're, they're it's it's Lucas himself, either that he needs to stop writing dialogue because he screwed up the first. You know. Three, the new Star Wars, or um, he screwed up Indiana Jones, or he should never direct again. I've never really heard any peop anybody say that about Walt Disney. Um, and he's kind of the only person I can think of that really can controlled an empire. Like I, I, Lucas. I think part of that, though, is the type of culture. Uh, Walt, of course, passing away back in the 1960s, and part of that, you didn't have... The quite the love-hate that you have with personalities that really, I think, started up in the 80s and 90s and continues on today where you have people that nitpick on what somebody works on. I mean, they can be an absolute genius. George Lucas, I look at it as a filmmaking genius. But people can sit there and nitpick all day long on one thing or another of whatever he does. Well, it's true. The internet and the anonymity, but some people aren't even anonymous about it. I mean, they're just uh, right out in the open about 
you'd almost think that he had um, his one shot in the light, and that was Star Wars. And from there on, it was downhill. You know, but I don't know. So, uh, some people are saying, great, get him out of the way. And then other people say, Disney will just screw it up because they make horrible movies and they water oh, everything I down. I don't think they'll screw it up. But holy cow, the same day they announced their body and stuff, was the same day they were announcing a seventh Star Wars movie. One, <laughs> three years. You got to think that's genius, though. We're oh, taking yeah, it awesome. over. Yeah, everyone's talking about but it we, and everyone hoping. The thing but is, is the, story, the story's there. It's not like it has never been there. George Lucas uh, had always written the, what is it, the three trilogies, all nine stories to it. It's just that he got. I think that's myth. I. I, I, you know, I think you're right, Mike, but here's where, because I remember from the youngest, our youngest days seeing Star Wars, meeting Richard, Richard's always been telling me about this, you know, this, this nine parts, you know, three trilogies and the wrapper around the, uh, the three we saw, you know, when we were kids was the the Adventures of Luke Skywalker, and then there's another wrapper around the first three, and the last, the last three, and the whole thing is called Star Wars. And you know, we didn't see New Hope until it was re-released before Empire comes out. And oh, what do you know? It's it's actually a chapter. And I saw Lucas in an interview saying, "No, you know, I wrote this one big piece, and it was just too big. <coughs> Excuse me, it was too big, so I broke it down. But to give the you know the characters depth, I wrote a backstory. But for Christmas, I got, I don't know if you saw them like in uh, 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 Barnes & Noble, but they they sell these like old, like Edward Allan Poe, and they put these new binders on them. They're kind of gothic in a way. <clears throat> well, they've bound the three Star Wars books together the same way. It's got a cool okay. cover with, you know, a Darth Vader on it. And interestingly enough, the guy that novelized this for Lucas off of his original script is... Um, one of the uh, one of the writers, I think, for the uh, Star Trek one too. He's he's been around a long time. I can't think of his name right now. But Alan Dean Foster. <clears throat> that's was it. Alan yes. Dean Foster. Okay. Alan Dean Foster. He wrote guy. that. He wrote that first like sequel. You know, when uh, Star Wars, the the novelization of Star Wars in the film. He wrote that sequel, Splinter of the Mind's Eye, that came out like right yeah, after. Everybody that. thought that was going to be the second movie. Mm. Yes. Um, well, I was hoping for the Timothy Zahn ones to become the last three, but let me let me digress here for a minute and go back to these books. Now I'm reading. Lucas has written an introduction to every single one of these books. Now I don't know if he wrote those when the books came, as each book came out, or he's had time to pontific- pontificate and massage the 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 legends or the mythos. But he kind of sets that up as, you know, I wrote these all out. You know, there's this big, huge thing. And I'm like, wait, this is contrary to this interview I saw with you. And I don't know. You know, I wonder sometimes if he's caught up in the same mythos as, you know, the fans have created. Or was it this way uh, to begin with? So I'm finding a lot of discrepancies. And then if you watch the behind the scenes like a Phantom Menace, he'll say, well, you know, we sort of kind of knew what we wanted to do. And. We didn't even introduce whatever Liam Neeson's character, uh, whichever. Oh, yeah, Qui-Gon. Yeah. Qui- Qui-Gon Jinn wasn't even in the first few drafts, and they figured, well, we need someone for you know, Obi-Wan to be mentored by. But yet, weren't we told that uh, uh, in Empire Strikes Back that Yoda mentored 
uh, Obi Wan Kenobi. Yeah, but they made that into uh, Yoda. No, he he was his teacher, but they made it in the uh, first three movies. He teaches all the Padawans uh, like a schoolmaster. Type okay, of fanboy. No, the one thing I was going to say is when the first movie came out and I bought this book on Star Wars literally back in 78, 79, some, before Empire came out. And when you, it was this inside the book, it included the script of Star Wars, the original script, because it was a little bit different than what the movie was. And it had a lot of the uh, Ralph McGuire pictures thrown in there, a lot of the photos from the film. And the opening of the book says, this is the Journal of the Wills, the Adventures of Luke Skywalker, A New Hope. Okay. So, I mean, and that went right along with what everybody was saying at the time, that the first three movies, the adventure, or Star Wars, I should say, A New Hope, uh, Empire, and <laughs> Return of the Jedi, those were the adventures of Luke Skywalker, but the entire series was part of the Journal of the Wills. And I met a number of big-time fan fanboys, fangirls back then, that were telling me stories about, you know, well, what happened? How, what, how did Darth Vader end up the way he was? And they told me pretty much exactly what happened in, uh, Reven uh, what was it, uh, Revenge of the Sith on the uh, immolation of Anakin Skywalker and everything else. And it's like, this is back in 78 that people are telling me some of these stories. Well, yeah, and that's why I'm saying this, this book had some of that information in it, um, yet. You know, if Lucas thought he had something going, you I basically, you know, he wasn't sure if the thing would make it. And when it did, then he was able to add some of that back in the New Hope part and all that. But, you know, a lot of people I, I you know, I enjoyed the, the first three films, which now everybody say are the most horrible things ever made. <laughs> but, you know, to me, you know, it's like Star Trek five. Absolutely. Probably the worst Star Trek movie made next to uh, the motion picture. But I still will watch them because, you know, what do they say? It's like, you know, the, the, the best day at work is still, or the be worst day of fishing is better than the best day at work. Well, the, you know, worst. Bad day, yeah. yeah bad you day know. fishing is better than a good day working. Yeah, yes. Fool me once. No, okay. I should have that quote somewhere. Uh, I would rather watch one of those than some chick flick or some. <laughs> Stupid, you know, stupid uh, Howard the Duck film or something. So I, I, I will agree with some of the fanboys out there that said, you know what, we hey. we could have cared less about Phantom Menace or hey, or the um, Clone Clone War one, which showed no war, just the battle, um, and just got right to we want to see Darth Vader become Darth Vader, or we want to see Anakin become Darth Vader. We could care less about Anakin as a kid. We could care less about, you know, all this. We just want to see Anakin become Darth Vader. And I kind of agree with them. Because, yes, you know. Yes, such a crappy way of showing it, too. Yeah, and, and so. No, no, I, wait. Let me, let, me, let me qualify that. Okay. The actor they chose to portray that, was he was just so flat and wooden. It was. Yeah, well, you know, I, I, I blame direction on that. Because I've seen, seen him in a couple other films that I, I think he did a really good job in. Upper. What's that? Jumper's the only, Jumper's the only one, other Jump, one I've seen him in. Yeah, Jumper is good, and I think he's he's good in it. Um, yeah, he was somewhat of a newish 
actor, but I blame a lot of that on, um, again, uh, on the director and the script. I mean, there's I a, lot, a lot of things wrong with, you know, it, it's a, it's kind of like, you know. I when don't know it, how much you can really put on to Jumper. That was just like one action scene after one action scene. I mean, it was fun. Don't get me wrong. I had fun with it and everything. And I, I looked at it as a good movie, but it wasn't that much acting, per se, as it was a lot of action scenes going. Eh, it's almost I, like a John Woo film. I don't know if I totally agree with that. I've watched it a few times. What's really interesting about that film is watch the behind the scenes. That film was like into production. And they, they fired all the actors except for the Irish kid. And it took another couple of years before they got it going. That direct, you talk about a hands-on director. That director's in the water. That director's grabbing the camera when he wants to. That I mean, that they're changing the script minutes before they're shooting. That's that's a very hands-on uh, director. And it, it's, uh, director it's, should be it's, hands-on. Yeah, I know, but most of them don't grab the camera. Most of them don't get in the water with the actors. Most yes, of you know, this this is very interesting. It's it's a really interesting behind the scenes. Um, one and how they did a lot of the effects it's very cool uh, but anyways i think you know this will be good for disney and you know, they they practically were step you know cousins anyways uh so they might as well yeah, they've, get had a, they've had a long yeah. uh 20 well 30 almost 30 year history of working together right yeah they might as well get in bed together i mean they're uh, you know they consummate well, the marriage if you will even even the story that we talked about a long time ago, uh, Black Hole, um, Lucas went to Disney originally with the Star Wars I did, but Disney didn't want to get into another space film because they were already having their problems with Black Hole, so they said no, and Lucas ended up going to 20th Century Fox. Uh, so the story I, I, goes. I want to say your timeline's a little off because I think Black uh, Hole came no, out. No, Black Hole came out in 78, 79. It was 79. After. Black Hole. Okay. I got to check the IMDb because. In fact, I'm pretty sure it went into production. After I showed that to my son. He was like, what is this? 79. <laughs> have, now, have you seen the Event Horizon? Because it sure seems like it's the Black Hole remade. But it's I have seen movie. it. And yeah, it's, they're very, I mean, it's the same idea. So Black Hole. And they're released. remaking Black Hole. So Black Hole's released in uh, December 21st, 1979. So that's two and a half years after Star Wars. So uh, they couldn't have gone... six-year production. Oh, goodness uh, gracious. Then, yeah, sure, they're having problems. They got the, the primary filming done with the actors, and then it was just all the effects and the model work that they were having all sorts of details with. Well, according to the IMDb here... Under the trivia heading, Disney wanted to rent Dijkstra Flex camera that was created for Star Wars. Oh! However, the price and rental terms are unacceptable, so Disney created its own oh. version instead. What resulted was Disney's Aces camera, automated camera oh. system, which is radically superior to the Dijkstra Flex system, the matte scan system, which enabled the camera to move on a matte painting that was previously impossible in a computer-controlled modeling stand. What do you think of that? I think someone just got put in their place. <laughs> Interesting. I now I'm glad you mentioned that, Mike, because I forgot uh, about I'm, that uh, camera. I'm going to hold by. <laughs> you go ahead and hold on I'm, to whatever you want. I'll hold on to that story. I do also remember the story, and you were there. I think both of you were there uh, when we were over at uh, Wed Tahunga when they were talking about. Uh, 
they were filming Star Wars in the uh, lot next door to them. The, I, I'm not sure. Did you ever get to go to Big Tahunga, Mike? No. No, so it was you and me, yeah. In the little strip center kind of industrial area next to it, they were filming a lot of the uh, stuff of the Death Star outside. You know, the, you've seen the, the behind the scenes. The, the guy's got the camera in the truck, and they're. Yeah, and they're right, driving by, right. and they're blowing up. Uh, yeah. They're showing yeah. it. On the pieces of Death Star uh, topography there. Okay, Pretty so cool. we're, we're running up on time. So let's let's jump over and talk about uh, Cars Land real quick. That was the other. Uh, I was going to say let's let's save that for another time because that you that's, know what? that's going to be a big subject. I'm controlling this show. And we can always control it, or we can always add more to it later. Um, <laughs> okay. Ooh. All right. <laughs> Uh, well, do, do, we need we need to bring the emperor theme back into there again. That's right. Do we um, do we have any mail? No. Oh, just people. Uh, okay, wait. I... Asking us to um... back off the jaw, Jack, and it's time for mail call. All right. So... <laughs> I, I was actually going to say, I Greg, you had, a, you had a nice, uh, 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 yeah, transition spot in there talking about Mary Poppins. Uh, we're talking about things that have happened this oh, last yeah, year. Oh, yeah, yeah. You filming. go ahead and put that. You, you, I know you've had a hard on for this since it happened. So please right. tell us about this. Just, because they did a lot of, yeah, uh, Saving Mr. Banks, which they're, fil they're filming right now. And they did some filming over at Disneyland, and uh, which is the uh, story of uh, Walt trying to get a hold of the uh, Mary Poppins story. So it was it was fun watching them film those, those few days that they were in the park because uh, the one side I did get to watch was out at the main entrance where they <laughs> is that a cricket? <laughs> Do I need to drop an f bomb right here or what? Uh, sorry. One. Jeez, oh, some things never change. <laughs> Please continue. <laughs> no, no, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> Mike just can't stop. Uh, no, it's you. I hear you holding <laughs> it back. It's making me laugh more. What did you think about Tom Hanks playing, uh, playing Walt Disney, though? Is he guys a good fit? <clears throat> I've only seen one other pl person play Walt Disney, and that's in the movie about the making of um, uh, Citizen Kane. Uh, I think it's, uh, it's RKO 241 or something like that. Okay, so I, I, the pictures I've seen of Tom Hanks with his Walt mustache and stuff, I think I think from a personality standpoint, you know, everybody likes him, right? Everyone wants to be his friend. Uh, so I think that kind of matches the but nicest that, guy in Hollywood. But, you know, I don't know if, you know... Was, yeah, a little was politically really, un incorrect, but yes, he is a nice guy from... Was, was Walt really all that nice when it came to business and getting films done? You know, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't know any... I've heard both sides of that story, so... I'm just a little curious, what, you know, because Richard was saying they were doing some filming there, and I've actually seen a lot of stories with uh, people who worked on the films, you know, recorded, telling their, their story... And I don't get why they're at Disneyland other than why not. Um, it doesn't seem to fit with some of the things I've heard. So I'm curious about the film, and I definitely will go see it. Um, so, Okay, well, so let's, let's, think, let's think about this. Okay, so Mary Poppins came out, what, 64? 
Right. Was that Mary Poppins? Okay, so Disneyland was nine years old. And well, the story's still- taking place in 6061. Okay, so Disneyland hasn't had any kind of uh, any of the real big add-ons just yet. So what part were they filming at Disneyland? The front entrance changed. Oh, I don't know. Changed. 59 was the Matterhorn, monorails, and submarines. Good point. Okay, that's right. That's right. That's right. That that first expansion there. Okay, but you know where where are they filming in Disneyland? That's consistent with 1960 or 61. The front entrance, maybe the train station, the tunnels going yeah. into town town square, maybe. That was- Go ahead. Is he there? I don't know. Yeah, I, I, that's why. That's why I said fan, they they did a fantasy land, uh, Main Street, and the, the main entrance. It's completely different. I know. I, I but I didn't get a chance to see what they did over there on the main entrance. They uh, remember how they had the little circular signs up across the top of the entrance that spelled out D I S blah 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 across the sign. They put those back up. They changed some of the uh, gate structure around on how it looked. I the thing I'm just curious about. There's nothing in all of the. Um stuff I've seen so far that ever indicates that he brought is is the idea that he's bringing um, Julie the, Andrews the, no not Julie Andrews the writer to yeah. the Rabbers. park because I everything I've read so far says that she visited the studio nothing I haven't been able to come across anything that said she ever visited the park uh, not to say that it didn't happen I'm just saying so far of everything I've I've been reading because she was very unhappy with the film, and um, uh, from what I've heard from, uh, well, it was the two brothers, the Sherman brothers. I think it was one of the ones on their their story that talked about she was not happy um, with the film and wouldn't have sold anything else to him. Uh, just you know, doesn't sound like for her it was a pleasant experience, but it sounds like she might have been a little bit of a bitch. But <laughs> uh, you know. P.L. Well, Travers. You know, who's being played by Emma Thompson. And yeah, that was the uh, scene that I did get to see him watch was Emma Thompson arriving by limousine and Walt, well, uh, Tom Hanks meeting her at the front entrance and taking her in. Well, it's it's likely that at that time, you know, Disneyland had a lot of Walt's focus. You would think so, yeah. And and if, you know, you needed to come visit with him right away and you couldn't wait for him to return back up to Burbank, then you were going on Anaheim and seeing him there, right? It's very, very, very. I'm not saying I, I deny it or it didn't happen. I'm just saying so far, all the stories are when they talk about him getting this thing done, it was all seemed to be at the studio. But then again, that could be a recollection that just is fuzzy or they, they don't, they leave the small details out because they assume you know it because it's in their mind they know it. I don't know. I'm just saying that's it's, possible. So but, I'm, I'm really curious but, to see the movie. But first of all, First of all, you're acting like this is a documentary. It's not a documentary. It's it's a movie that is going to be dramatized, so they're going to take dramatic license with it. That's true. Well, dramatic license with the yeah. Waz. You know, it, it's, it's like I say, if you want to know exactly how Pearl Harbor happened, do not watch the movie Pearl Harbor. No. Go watch... Uh, Tora, Tora, Tora. Tora, Tora, Tora. That's, a, that's more documentary than anything. But yeah, if you Pearl want to Harbor know, really yeah. had a lot of dramatic license. If you want to know about stupid the, ass love story. If, yeah. if you want to know about the Hatfields and McCoys, do not watch the one the History Channel did. I watched the first episode of that. I thought it was well acted, you know, but. Um, oh, yeah, it was well done. Then I went and read the history. I'm like, oh, my God, this is on the History Channel. This, if anything, that's why 
I've been a little leery of seeing Lincoln. I want to see Lincoln, but I know Spielberg has a really hard time sometimes depicting accurate history. Uh, he did it very well in Schindler's List, to the best of my knowledge. But with Amistad, he kind of took a left turn and. I was going to say, are you, you know, talking about Amistad there? And kind of made up his own thing for his own political reasons, I guess. Um, so I do want to. I hear Lincoln's really good. But anyway, so no, I'm, I'm curious. I really want to see that movie when it does come out. Do you know when it's supposed to be uh, set for release, Richard? I heard late next year. I think November. Uh, since I'm here. You got to. So let me bring it back up. Wait, come on. Uh, release date December, December 20th, 2013. 2013. December, wow, we still got a whole year to wait then. We're talking about a Christmas release, yeah. Nice Christmas movie. Yeah, it probably will be. Um, Colin Farrell's playing Robert Goff. How awesome is that? <laughs> hey, you, you want to see something funny? Is go to YouTube, search like, Scary Mary, I think it's called. Is it Scary Mary? And they, they do a... Um, was it Scary Mary? Yeah, Mary for Mary Poppins. Scary Mary. And and they do like a new trailer for Mary Poppins, but it looks like a horror film. <laughs> you know, and it makes her look like she's creepy with the kids, and uh, it's, it's, it's pretty funny. And I found out about that because we're going to have to do something like that uh, through school is to rip, you know, find a, uh, you know, th there's a guy out there that turns like the Terminator into a musical. So he'll do like, you know, two, three minute musical of the Terminator. Uh, and, and now he's got a new a second job or a third job. And he's he's doing this to a lot of different movies. But our, our assignment will be pick a movie, let's say Indiana Jones and and turn it into, you know, like a chick flick or, you know, Star Wars and turn it into a slasher movie, you know, and sounds like fun. Yeah, it sounds like a lot of fun. We just haven't got to that point in the the courses yet, but that is something we're going to have to do. So, since Richard managed to drag that out, I thank think, you, thank you very much, because he doesn't want to talk about Cars Land until another episode, which is no, fine. he never brought it up until well, there. Well, you, the know, last you know, minutes, I, think, so. I think you know we got to live. Give give people a reason to tune in. All right. So I was thinking that we should just uh, jump on the train. And, uh... <laughs> Dude. Yeah. Call it a night. 